0: Hey, it's Bex here and this is Fun Kids Meets, the podcast where we meet amazing people. And this week, you can hear my chat with the awesome author Sam Sedgman all about his brand new book, The Clockwork Conspiracy. And I started off by asking him about the book and where do we meet the main character Isaac? Isaac
1: So Isaac Turner, aspiring inventor Isaac Turner, we meet him at the top of Big Ben on the night the clocks go back because his dad is the keeper of the great clock, which means that he's the horologist in charge of looking after Big Ben and keeping it ticking. But his dad vanishes from the belfry of Big Ben on the night the clocks go back leaving behind a smashed pocket watch and a cryptic message. And it's up to Isaac and his rebellious friend Hattie to solve a series of clues that lead him on a treasure hunt through London's landmarks to find out what happened to his dad and save him.
0: It's a classic mystery. Was it exciting to write a mystery? Did you know where you were going with it? Or did you just see what happened as you went along?
1: Well, I absolutely love mysteries. The Adventures on Train series that I wrote with MG and Leonard are all mystery stories, and I'm absolutely obsessed with um, seeing how all the pieces of a mystery fit together. Making a mystery is a lot like, I imagine, being a clockmaker because you have to make sure all the gears and the springs fit together and strike the right note. But I very much, as a writer, I'm very much a planner. So I have a big wall in front of me right now of all the Post-it notes of all the different scenes and all the different characters, and I move them around like a like a jigsaw puzzle to make sure the story is in all the right shape before I start writing all the. sentences.
0: I love it. You're a you're a post-it man. Okay, this is good. This is good to know. Um, so tell me, you must have also had to do a lot of research on this because, uh, even the words is it horologist? You said horologist.
1: The... There are so many great words in timekeeping. Yeah. Horologist means a, a maker of watches or clocks. Yes.
0: So this is it. so. Did you know much about it before you started, or how did you decide? You know what? I'm going to write about time.
1: People always ask me this because I've been mad about trains since I was a kid, and when I did mm. adventures on trains, that was sort of a lifelong passion. But clocks weren't something I knew a great deal about, but I was interested in them because because I went on a tour of Big Ben with my dad, which I organized for his birthday because he's an architect. He loves old buildings. And also I grew up with a very lovely grandfather clock in my house that my dad would always wind every week. And I thought, oh, that's a nice thing for us to do. But when I went into Big Ben, it was so magnificent and full of magic and just the, the sheer size of the machinery in there. You get to go into the clock room and Big Ben itself, like the mechanism is like the size of a car. And when it strikes the hour, it springs into life and all these gears and cogs and cables and bells start moving and striking. And it's just incredible. And me and my dad turned to each other with the look of sheer childlike joy. And I knew in that moment that there was a story to be told here and that it was really exciting. So I then did my favourite part of writing, which is as much research as possible. I went to the Royal Observatory in Greenwich, which is the home of timekeeping. Um, I read lots of books about how clocks work. I researched as much as I could about the the Palace of Westminster, where Big Ben is, and found out loads of stuff about how Parliament works as well. So I really sort of gathered as many cool bits of information as I possibly could about clocks and time. And from them sprang the story of the clockwork conspiracy.
0: I mean, that in itself was a beautiful story, Sam. I have to say, so a friend of mine went to, I think probably did a similar tour, went to Big Ben and did a tour of the the clock tower and told me loads of facts, which I've entirely forgotten now. But it is fascinating. Like it is an incredible bit of architecture and a bit of history as well, isn't it up there?
1: Oh, it absolutely is. They now sell tour tickets to anyone who wants one. And I wholeheartedly encourage everyone listening to your show to see if they can get to Big Ben as quickly as you can. You get to climb up the tower. You get to stand in the belfry and watch the bells being struck. The story of Big Ben itself is quite impressive. The Great Bell, as it's properly known. They made one bell for it, but it was too big. Um, They made another bell, uh, but they struck it with a too big a hammer and the bell cracked. And then uh, the Big Ben that we have today, that you hear striking the hour on the news... Is slightly off key because it's got a crack in it. Um, but my favourite fact I have to say about Big Ben is that the chimes that you hear because the chimes are broadcast live on the news and stuff, and they are literally broadcast live from a microphone in the Belfry. They're not pre-recorded. When you hear the bells of the chimes of Big Ben strike on like New Year's Eve and stuff, that's really coming from a microphone up in the Belfry. They broadcast them live at 6pm and midnight on Radio 4 every day, and they used to broadcast them at lunchtime as well. But they had to stop that when there were some workmen working up there and accidentally said some rude words around lunchtime and they were broadcast live to the whole world and that's my favorite fact about me <laughs>
0: Oh, Sam, that's a great fact. I'm going to be telling that to loads of people later on. Thank you for that. That's amazing. Now tell me about um, Isaac and his friend Hattie, because Hattie's dad is also quite important in Parliament as well. Is that right?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, So Hattie's dad is the Speaker of the House of Commons, which is the person who sits in the biggest chair in that room full of all the green leather benches and shouts, order, order. (laughs) And it's his job to basically keep Parliament straight and make everyone be very well behaved. Um, And he actually, in real life, lives in the Palace of Westminster, which is incredible palace where, you know, we write our laws and where government sits. But I hadn't read any story set in the Palace of Westminster. And I was fascinated by that place because it's basically like a real life Hogwarts. There are so many weird rituals and customs about how our government works. And I thought it'd be really exciting to, to have some characters from that world. So Hattie is like home from her international boarding school and staying with her dad, the Speaker of the House of Commons. And she and Isaac become rather reluctant friends in the story. But where Isaac is is like an inventor. He's like um, thoughtful and curious and loves to see how things work. He's a bit shy. Hattie is like bolshy and rebellious and loves to like push at the boundaries of social convention and what's allowed. And so between them, because he loves to follow rules and she loves to break rules, they make quite a nice crime-solving team. And so we have them, uh, she loves to scamper over the rooftops of the Houses of Parliament at night when no one's watching because she's a big rebel and she loves to do that. And so she kind of um, helps Isaac unravel the mystery of his dad. And I had so much fun writing their emerging friendship and seeing the two of them go on adventures together.
0: I can well imagine and it is like you say it's such an exciting setting for a book and it is weird that not much has been set there before right?
1: Absolutely I mean if I tell someone oh this book is secretly about how Parliament works it sounds so boring (laughs) so I don't want to say that but as I was investigating Big Ben of course it's part of this bigger building right where we where we make our laws and where government sits and there are so many weird things there like there's two towers at Parliament one is Big Ben the Elizabeth Tower and one is the Victoria Tower and do you know what's in the Victoria Tower. It's where we keep all the laws. Like when we write a law, we write it on animal skin, on vellum, roll it up like a sort of treasure map and slot it in the tower. That's like where all the laws are. And I was like, there's a room where just the laws are. That's so mad. And they all have to be signed by the king, of course. And every morning, the Speaker of the House has to march through Parliament holding a golden mace. And the two front benches of Parliament are designed to be two sword lengths apart so that fights don't break out. (laughs) And halfway up Big Ben, there's a room that It used to be a prison, and if you spoke out of turn as an MP, as a member of parliament, you would be carted off from parliament and stuck in the tower, in the prison tower. And this all happened relatively recently, and a lot of the traditions are still going today. I was but completely befuddled as to why no one had written about this world before. But it is so exciting. And the reason I wanted to write about it is because the heart of my story is about someone is trying to change the law about how we measure time. So obviously, we measure time with, you know, 24 hours a day at the moment. We've all seen a clock. We all know how that works. But I thought, what would happen if we changed how that worked? And so there's a law going through Parliament called the New Time Law to change it to be 10 hours a day, 100 minutes an hour and 100 seconds a minute, which is based on a real thing that happened after the French Revolution for several years when they used metric time. So that's why I have so much of my story set in the Houses of Parliament.
0: I was going to ask, was, was this something, have you researched like like clockwork and history of this this kind of stuff as well? Like, was this a thing that people have actually tried to do in the past?
1: Oh, absolutely. And when you start tugging at the threads of why time is the way it is, it all falls to pieces. Because there's no right or wrong way to measure time. Time is just sort of a big old expanse of of nothing. And how you chop it up is entirely up to you. We really, I mean, the French really did have metric time after the French Revolution, when they invented the metric system, you know, the kilometer and the meter and everything like that. They also tried to invent a new unit of time to be 10 hours a day and all that. It didn't catch on, but it was used for about five years and you can still see some clocks in France that have 10 hours a day on them. And yeah, there are so many other ways of looking at time. I looked uh, right back to the beginning of when timekeeping became a thing. So, you know, the early sundials of Rome, like the water clocks of ancient Greece. Um, The very earliest timekeeping device that I could find is a bowl with a hole in the bottom. And the idea is you, you put this bowl in a lake or a river or something, and the time that it takes to sink is like one unit of time, because you put it in and it slowly fills up with water, then it sort of goes underneath the surface of the water. And that's like a marker of time. But people have come up with so many ingenious ways to measure time over the years, like, you know, the hourglass, and there are even flower clocks that people use where the opening and closing of flowers mark the passage of the day. It's a fascinating topic that I could go into at no end. And also the more futuristic stuff, right? Um, As part of my story, they visit the, the atomic clock, which is the most accurate clock in the world. And even to this day scientists are arguing about what the best way to measure time is and can we make things more accurate because time infiltrates so many different parts of our lives right um, you have to have super accurate clocks on things like satellites to make sure that um, you know space stations can line up with each other and satellites of course are what makes so many of our different parts of our life work like our smartphones and things like that so even though time might seem like an old tick y clockwork, cogs and pendulums sort of a thing, it's also cutting edge science. And I was just fascinated by how the, these two sides of it folded together. And that's what really informed my story.
0: I could talk to you about this all day. This is fascinating because it's the kind of stuff that I love but I don't know anything about. So this this is incredible. You you really have done your research, right? You've really delved into every possible thing that you need to.
1: I mean, I'm just a massive nerd, really, is what I say. And the thing is, <laughs> I, when I find something that interests me, I love finding out something that I'm fascinated by that I, that I know nothing about because then I get to go on a journey and I get to follow mm. my nose and see what's interesting. And when I'm writing a story, that's sort of my compass, right? If I think, well, I think this is amazing. I wonder what the... the the history of this is I wonder what cool machinery there is I wonder what amazing people have worked in this area that's what I always try and follow and work out um, where the interesting bits are and because I think if I think it's interesting I bet other people will think it's interesting too and then I get to weave them into a story which is like doing a big pu- uh, jigsaw puzzle and that's uh that's really fun
0: Oh my goodness! Honestly, Sam, this is incredible. Um, now I do I do have to ask: Are we speaking of going on journeys and compasses? Are we expecting more adventures on trains, or are you going to go a little deeper into the uh, the world of clockwork?
1: So Isaac Turner is definitely going to return in uh, some more adventures. So the Clockwork Conspiracy is a standalone adventure, but um, Isaac and his friend Hattie will return in future installments of those adventures. MG Leonard and I have had a wonderful time writing adventures on trains. We've written six of those books. And six. There are six of them. In only three years, it was very exhausting to write, let me tell you, especially because we like to do our research too and travel on railway journeys all over the world to research them. I remember, yeah. We would love to write some more, but we have no plans to write any more at the moment. We both decided that it was good to take a break from it for a little bit. Uh, Hopefully in the future, come back to it with some fresh ideas. So for now, I'm afraid there are no concrete plans to write any more Adventures on Train stories, but it is something that we would love to return to in the future. But for now, we're both focusing on our own books uh, because our brains are so full of ideas we couldn't contain them any longer
0: yes you're both incredibly busy people which is great for us because it means we get more books to be honest this is lovely for us sam honestly clockwork conspiracy what a dream what an incredible story and um also i just honestly i could talk to you about it all day
1: please oh, <laughs> do i've got time
0: <laughs> honestly part of me is thinking how, how long can we have this this uh i want to find out more about clocks and time can i tell you my um, favorite
1: fact about clocks Please do, yeah. So as I was doing all my research, I discovered, you know, if you imagine a clock face, you know, with the 12 numbers on it, around the edge, there's a sort of circle with like little grooves in it, sort of marking the minutes, like yeah. five of them between, between every hour, there's like 60 of them around the edge. What mm-hmm. do you think those little bits are called?
0: <gasps> oh, I don't know. I feel like it should be something to do
1: with 60. It, but... it, yeah, it's not to do with a number 60, but each one of those 60 things are called chapters. <gasps> oh no chapters? when I a novelist discovered that that was when I immediately knew that the clockwork conspiracy <laughs> needed to have 60 chapters
0: oh my goodness
1: and I, I, I <laughs> it's such a beautiful fact that kind of because time is like a story right and it's just like the unfolding of our day and I thought there was such a beautiful symmetry to that when I was writing a book about time that's definitely one of my favorite facts about clocks
0: that's a great fact. That is beautiful. I'm, and just you must have been like, I have to write this book because it's like time has told me to.
1: Oh, absolutely. Time was telling. When a story tells you what it wants to be, you absolutely must listen. But as a writer, I, my favourite thing is like structure, how the story is shaped, how the different pieces fit together. It's kind of like the mathematics of, of how the story works. And so when I was like, oh, there are 60 chapters. Great that I, I can write out 60 blank post-it notes and stick them on my wall and then start working out what <laughs> happens in each chapter. And I have different characters telling you the perspective of each chapter. So I was like, I'll use different colored post-its for those ones. Like Isaac will be blue and Hattie will be green. Once I realized that the whole shape of the story fell into place and it was very exciting for me.
0: I found out recently, and and you may be able to correct me on this, I think it's right, um, how long a moment officially is. According to Science Focus, the term uh, dates back to the 8th century, and it was to define a period of 90
1: seconds, which seems quite long. It does seem quite long. But then one of the things I've discovered about time is that we change our perception of time in different eras, right, in different societies, based on what's important to us because you measure things in a way that's useful to you right and so Mm. before computers and before you know accurate timekeeping was really important the idea of a moment would have probably felt longer whereas now the idea that you know you can do something in each minute is really particular i mean I know this from my work on trains, right? And I even talk about this in Adventures on Trains, that timekeeping really changed when trains came to the United Kingdom because you needed to have accurate and consistent timekeeping between all the different stations so you could make sure that the trains ran on time and so that people knew right to the minute when their train was going to arrive. So suddenly having a super accurate clock at every station and every town was really important. And also they all had to agree what the time was. That's when we came up with the idea of a consistent time zone for the whole country. Before then... It was slightly different time in Bristol to London because they're like, Bristol's further west. So the sun sets in Bristol, I think like 10 minutes after it sets in London, just because it's further round the curve of the earth. And so that meant if you're judging time on, you know, noon is when the sun is highest in the sky, that means your clocks are going to be different to each other. So when the trains came along and the railway companies were like, well, we need to agree what time it is everywhere all at once. That's when railway time, as it was called, was introduced, which was basically every clock in the country sort of was set to the same time at the same moment. Although not a moment is in 90 seconds. I mean, the same (laughs) instance of time. You see, you see, you get tangled in knots very quickly when you talk about time.
0: I love it so much. And I do love uh, that you have brought it all back to the original, the OG, the most famous clock of all, Big Ben yeah. and uh, the Elizabeth Tower. And you've, you've made it. So uh, that is the focus for the book as well. And that is incredible. Um, so, man, honestly, it's, it's fascinating. Thank you so much for telling us all about it. I feel like I've, I've learned so much from the book, obviously, and from yourself. And uh, I believe if the book is out on the 1st of February. Is that right?
1: The 1st of February is when it springs into bookshops. I am <laughs> so excited for people to start getting their hands on it because it's been with me for a very long time. And I kind of can't believe that it's finally going to be out there in the world. And I'm really excited.
0: That was the rather brilliant Sam Sedgman chatting to me about his awesome new book, The Clockwork Conspiracy. You've been listening to Fun Kids Meets. This is the podcast where we meet amazing people. Remember, you can hear more incredible authors like Sam on the Fun Kids Bookworms podcast with me every other Wednesday. See you soon.